that was a rough night last night, but thank God for Sunday mornings. Today we welcome our confirmation students who are in our midst, perhaps with their sponsors, certainly with their parents. They will be confirmed in about four months as Archbishop Perez, the Archbishop of Philadelphia, makes his first trip to Kennett Square for our young people. And they are here today to receive a, a blessing, and, um, and we recognize them as they prepare for confirmation. On this weekend, when we uh, turn back, we also are in this new month of November in which we're encouraged to look back on all of those who have died recently. And yesterday morning, I was happy with many of our parishioners to salute and to remember those who died this past year. We had 40 people, some of whom as recently as two months ago were sitting right where you're sitting. We remembered uh, the expanse of each life, the uh, youngest of which was 11 years old, Ryan Prince, the oldest of which was Claude Madonna, who you know well, he sat right there, 100 years old, almost 101. In this month of November, how beautiful it is that we can remember. And what an act of charity that is, to be able to look back. Looking back can fill the heart with praise. It can fill the heart with thanksgiving. And this is the month of that. But you know, looking back needs to be done well. We don't want to look back at last night. At least I don't. We need to look back with care. So often when we look back at things, we can trip in the present. You don't look where you're going. And how many of life is tripped up by old things, old angers or resentments, grievances, injustice. So many people stuck, they, they, they don't know how to look back well. And that even affects the future. It does. How to look well. I was reminded of this word as I was thinking of this, this word that we're all familiar with, nostalgia. And it was an interesting word. It's from two Greek words that mean pain and grief and also homecoming. And you know, in the um, early or in the mid 19th century, in the 1800s, nostalgia was actually a disease that was written in the Cyclopedia of Practical Medicine. It wasn't a pandemic, but it was referred to as an endemic disease. And it often afflicted sailors, those in the military, convicts, and African slaves. It even affected and was part of the history of the Civil War. A brief quote in that regard. In the first two years of the Civil War, there were reported 2,588 cases of nostalgia, 13 deaths from this cause. These numbers scarcely express the real extent to which nostalgia influenced the sickness and the mortality of the army. To the depressing influence of homesickness must be attributed the fatal result in many cases which might otherwise have terminated favorably. Nostalgia. 
looking back and how we do that. I'm reminded of all of this this morning as I heard and prayed with the Sunday readings because all of these readings today point us to home and a conviction of a future resurrection. We see this beautiful witness in Maccabees. I mean, it's a terrible story, but it's remarkable. We find seven sons and their mother. And the mother is encouraging the sons to remain faithful. Faithful even unto death. Faithful to the law. They won't eat pork. And as silly as that sounds, it points to something. Their eyes are on a future heaven. There's a faith in the resurrection. Even here in the Old Testament, and so strong is that faith that all of those seven sons die for it. Now let's go into the New Testament. And in the gospel today, we find the Sadducees who don't even believe in the resurrection. And when you don't believe in someone's faith, you know what happens? Oftentimes, you mock it. Oftentimes, there's mockery. And we have a case here in this gospel, a great mockery. Mockery of what? The resurrection. It's not uncommon for them to bring tough questions to Jesus, <laughs> to a rabbi. And if they really want to mock it or mock the teaching, they'll make up different cases. We do this in our own world. And Jesus responds. And his response is noteworthy. He not only points to a reality of a heaven, but to that more which is himself. The marriage between God and humanity, which supersedes every other marriage. And here he is. You know, it's remarkable because Jesus Christ is the only religious leader of any worth that actually pointed to himself. Most good religious leaders point to God. Jesus so often points to himself, which means he's either a nut or he's God. And as we know from our Christian faith, he himself is the resurrection. He rose from the dead on a Sunday, which is why we worship him on Sunday, because we believe that he is alive. He has a body and bones and hair and a voice. And faith in that resurrection is the very heart of our Christian faith. And how wonderful it is, how important it is to take heart in that now. Faith in the resurrection now helps us to remember the past well and to live the future and be ready for it. Faith in the resurrection perfects our faith. It forms our life. And it can give us such great hope. Not just on Sunday, but on Monday and on every day, 
and especially, let's hope, for that one day when we are before him. What a day. How beautiful it is to be before him, to be before him now today so as to be ready for that day. I'd like to just close with a... Um, a quote that is oftentimes attributed to St. Oscar Romero. Oscar Romero uh, was a bishop in South America, and uh, when he was holding up the Eucharist as he was saying Mass for a group of nuns, someone came in the back door and shot him to death. The Eucharist went all over. He was a martyr for the faith, canonized not that long ago. And this quote is often attributed to him. It helps me to remember and it may help you. It helps now and then, he says, or was attributed to saying, to step back and to take the long view. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is even beyond our vision. We accomplish in our lifetime only a fraction of the magnificent enterprise that is God's work. Nothing we do is complete, which is another way of saying that the kingdom always lies beyond us. No statement says it all that could be said. No prayer fully expresses our faith. No confession brings perfection. No pastoral visit brings wholeness. No program accomplishes the church's mission. No set of goals and objectives includes everything. I like to think to myself, no, one homily says it all. I like to think no one pitcher wins the World Series. But this is what we're about. We plant seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that they hold future promise. We lay foundations that will need further development. We provide yeast that produces effects far beyond our capabilities. We cannot do everything, and there is some sense of liberation in realizing that. This enables us to do something, and to do that very well. It may be incomplete, but it's a beginning, a step along the way, an opportunity for the Lord's grace to enter and to do the rest. We may never see the end result, but that is the difference between the master worker and the, the master builder and the worker. We are workers, not master builders, ministers, not messiahs, prophets of a future, not our own. And if I may give you news, we are the body of Christ. We are his body now. In 2022, why he asked us to be part of this body now, I don't know. But that's who we are. And to be that body, to live as his body, to choose and to decide to share and to be his body, my friends, that is the call upon each and every one of us. And we do, when we do that well, that is a blessing for everybody. And someday when we are before his risen body, 
will realize that in full. But today, on this Sunday, when we recall his resurrection, let us thank God for this faith that we profess. Pray for the grace, not just to profess it well, but to live it. So that our profession, our lives, may not be in vain.